0: Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him.
1: Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between.
2: It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time.
3: And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. It is a feast of St. Pacomius. The life of St. Pachomius the Great provides a valuable lesson on the importance of spiritual vigilance in interpreting small actions as indicators of deeper spiritual states. In his monastery, a monk made two straw mats instead of one, seeking praise for his diligence. However, St. Pacomius recognized the monk's vanity and admonished him. As a penance, the saint instructed the monk to wear the two mats on his back during community prayer, publicly confessing his attachments to them over the kingdom of heaven. The monk was further required to carry the mats during the meal and endure six months of seclusion, fasting on bread and water, while making two mats daily. The story reveals the, uh, the ancient father's practice of severe penances for even minor faults, which their subordinates accepted with humility and used for spiritual growth. It also highlights the need for vigilance in discerning small symptoms of vice, that can have significant implications. Saint Pacomius reminds us to interpret these symptoms in ourselves, others, and society at large, helping us to recognize the forces of revolution and counter revolution. Through his example, we are called to remain vigilant, combat vice, and appreciate the profound impact of seemingly insignificant actions on our spiritual well being. Saint Pacomius, pray. For us, good morning to you. Today is, in fact, Tuesday, May 9th. Good morning. I hope you're having a blessed Tuesday morning, not being uh, too uh, dour. But uh, joining us right now, our producer, Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito.
4: Good morning, Adrian. What a great day it is. Uh, Yeah, I I say every, every day is a great day to me, but it is fun to be here. It is great to be here to evangelize the world, to turn this country Catholic and uh can't wait to get this show uh, to continue.
3: Amen. Amen. Yeah, I would say I am uh, thinking about the crazy things in the world. And it's just, it's so, it's so tragic, all the things that are going on in the world. And at the end of the day, I think we really need to be attached to Our Lady. Because no matter what happens, no matter how many bad things that go on in the world, if we have our sight set on Our Lady, well, then nothing else will disturb us. Nothing will bother us. Even our own uh, deaths, even our own martyrdom, God willing, will, will not be a burden, but a, a great thing if we have our eyes fixed on Our Lady. I think that's uh, very important, especially with everything going on in the news. It really is a, a great tragedy At 15 past the hour, we're going to discuss those tragedies. There's uh, the two tragedies that happened in Texas within 24 hours of each other. So we're going to be talking about that situation at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, uh, Brent Haynes will be joining us to talk about Clarence Thomas. He's accused of misconduct again. And, you know, that's probably not what the media is reporting like always. So Brent Haynes is going to update us on that story. And in the next hour, we're going to talk about why your Catholic men's group will eventually fold. And this would also apply, I think to women groups as well. So we're going to talk about that in the next hour. Plus we have our fear and trembling game show coming up at 15 past the next hour. And if you would like to join us, our prize this week is a prize from Catholic Answers by Father Sebastian Walsh book. So make sure that you're tuned in for that. Now, let's begin in prayer. I think today and every day we need prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is that you have going on in your life, for your friends, family and benefactors, for our friends, family and benefactors and all those that we promise to pray for Uh, In a special way, I want to pray for Peter Gabriel Navarro. He's 26 weeks old, and he'll be in the NICU for three months. Pray for his development, that everything goes well. And we also are are praying for all Texans, especially those in Allen and Brownsville area, uh, during these horrific tragedies. We're going to pray the ancient prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, written in the 3rd century. We're going to pray this prayer and uh, ask Our Lady for her her great intercession, for her great comfort and our tragedies. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Subtuum presidium confugimus sancta de genitrix, nostra deprecationes ne despicias in necessitativus, seda periculis quuntis, libra imper vergo gloriosa et benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities. But deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards.
4: Thank you very much, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, in the year of our Lord 2023, and these are your headlines. LifeSite is reporting most Americans agree to the truth that a person's gender is unchangeable, according to a Washington Post and Kaiser Family Foundation poll. While the biological reality of gender does not change based on polling, the recent results show that the LGBT activists have not definitively won the fight over sex. Furthermore, the results show that when unambiguous language is used to ask about LGBT issues, Americans are more likely to take the biologically realistic and conservative stance. A 57% majority of adults said a person's gender is determined from the start, with 43% saying it can differ, the poll reported. LifeSite is reporting Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law a formal ban on so-called environmental, social, and corporate governance, known as ESG standards, and building on the governor's vow to make the sunshine state the place where woke goes to die. The law also forbids banks and other financial institutions from denying services to individuals on the basis of their political views or religious beliefs. Catholic News Agency is reporting a new film about Hong Kong media mogul turned pro-democracy activist Jimmy Lai has amassed more than 1 million views on YouTube and over 4 million views on TikTok in just two weeks. Interweaving historic footage, video of mass protests and arrests and interviews with Lai and those who know him well, The Hong Konger Jimmy Lai's Extraordinary Struggle for Freedom is a 73-minute documentary available for free on YouTube. Produced by the Acton Institute, a think tank based in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Lai, 75, who has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize along with five other prisoners of conscience in Hong Kong, including Cardinal Joseph Zen, has now been in prison for over two and a half years for defending human rights and democracy against the Chinese Communist Party. And finally, CatholicCulture.org is reporting North Carolina legislature passes a 12-week abortion ban. With votes of 71 to 46 in the State Assembly and a 29-20 in the State Senate, the North Carolina General Assembly has passed the Care for Women, Children, and Families Act, which bans most abortions after the 12th week of pregnancy, provides protections for babies who survive abortions, and includes other provisions such as paid parental leave for state employees. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all. The
3: Gospel of the Day comes from John, chapter 14, verses 27 through 31. Peace is my bequest to you, and the peace which I will give you is mine to give. I do not give peace as the world gives it. Do not let your heart be distressed or play the coward. You have heard me say that I am going away and coming back to you. If you really loved me, you would be glad to hear that I am on my way to my Father. My Father has greater power than I. I have told you of this before it happened so that when it happens you may learn to believe. I have no longer much time for converse with you. One is coming who has power over the world but no hold over me. No, but the world must be convinced that I love the Father and act only as the Father has commanded me to act. Rise up! We must be going on our way the gospel of the Lord.
4: Praise to you,
3: Lord Jesus Christ. A number of things here. You know, one thing I thought that was interesting, I just kind of uh, popped in my head while I was reading it out loud here, is when he says here, I am going away and coming back to you. If you really loved me, you'd be glad to hear that I am on my way to the Father. Uh, For some reason, that kind of just rang in my head as something like um, the, the saying... If you love something, let it go. And if if it's meant to be, it'll come back to you. I don't know why that that came to my head, but it did. Anyway, on to uh, things that are more important. Cornelius Olapide had a commentary here on verse 27. He says, peace, I leave you, my peace. He says the Arabic translated as my own peace. That is Christ's farewell. For the Hebrews, when they salute anyone coming or bid goodbye when departing, they say, peace be with you. Where under the world... Peace, they wish every kind of good, prosperity, and happiness. It is as though Christ said, Going away from you, I give to you, O ye apostles and your successors, and as it were, leave you my benediction for an inheritance. By this I pray to God to give you every good thing, and this I do not vainly or briefly, like the world, but truly, solidly, eternally. I do it not by adultery, adultery words, but as worldly people do, but really supplicating and bestowing grace and power by which ye may securely attain to the eternal goods and by your preaching charity and prayers may lead many others, the same blessed end. This is very interesting because we think of peace and this is not typically what we understand as peace. We, don't, we kind of understand peace as a tranquility of order, whereas our Lord here is saying something more than that. He's saying, yes, tranquility of order, but also every good thing, every blessing. It kind of reminds me of uh, the prayer that the Dominicans say before the Holy Eucharist, uh, which is the uh, o sacrum convivium, that the, the Holy Eucharist will, be, uh, will, will give them every good thing. Then um, every good thing is the Eucharist itself. It's very that's very interesting to me. Here he goes on and says that Jansen and Toledus, they say a little differently. They say this peace is that of which Saint Paul speaks in the fourth chapter of Philippians: the peace of God which surpasseth all sense. Keep your hearts' understanding in Christ Jesus. Now this peace includes one friendship with God, two tranquility of mind and calm and temptations and persecutions three mutual concord amongst ourselves this makes men strong in every danger and gives consolation in every trouble this the lord bequeaths to us not riches nor temporal possession far above all the wealth of this world peace stands preeminent i think this is also very interesting because here he talks about friendship of god but also he may, he mentions mutual concord amongst ourselves Now, this makes sense if you think of the commandments of God, which is to love God and love neighbor. So we should have friendship with God, but then also true friendship with another. But what does it mean to have friendships with another? St. Thomas says a friendship, a true friendship, not a friendship of convenience, not a friendship that is very superficial, but a true friendship means to live with one another. And what does it mean to live with one another? But to share a life with someone. Now, this is most clearly exampled by people who have religious life, who literally give their lives for one another. And also it's clear in marriage where the couple uh, gives of themselves to each other. But this also can happen in a normal uh, friendship uh, between two guys or between two girls in which they give of themselves internally, meaning they expose the internal workings of the soul. They reveal themselves to one another. This can only happen by self-revelation. You cannot know somebody unless they reveal themselves to you, which is what we see with the Father. Because God reveals himself to us. Because we cannot know God except that he reveals himself to us, which is why our Lord gave us the great grace of becoming incarnate and revealing himself to us. Now, this last point about the journey in which they makes here, Cornelius Allopidae makes a reference to Ovid, saying that when he is going away into exile, he said, Thrice did I turn my steps, and thrice the threshold gain. To linger near with fond regret, my footsteps were full fain. Farewell, farewell, I cried. Words full of love, I said. Then with a last fond kiss, forever from it fled. He says, tropologically, when any arduous duty is decreed by God, or ordained by our superiors, such as a dangerous journey, death, or martyrdom, let us generously and with a clarity offer ourselves to God as victim of charity and obedience. Amen. Let us desire it. Lord, grant us the grace to desire it. We'll be right back. Hey, Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament?
5: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John.
0: And who baptized Jesus?
5: St. John the Baptist.
0: As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio
1: Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who did God use to get John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's your choices. Could it have been Simeon or St. Joseph or maybe an unknown prophet? Maybe Jesus. Who was it? Your answer in a moment. Secondly, so what methods do we see in the New Testament for Christians receiving the Holy Spirit? Well, it was usually through the laying on of hands. Peter and John laid hands on those in Samaria. St. Paul laid hands on those believers in Ephesus. Prior to that, We see Jesus merely breathing on the apostles. So here's your answer. A greeting. Yes, a greeting. You see, after Gabriel's powerful annunciation to the Virgin Mary, a simple, profound greeting from Mary to Elizabeth caused John the Baptist to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he leaped in her womb. Now, to all my daring Pentecostal church friends, no matter how much you pray in tongues over someone, this method won't work. Why? Because it's not a method. It was the divine team of the Blessed Trinity, Gabriel, Mary, and Elizabeth. And that, my friend, will not happen again.
3: Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. So good to be on with you today. You know, there's a lot of interesting things in the news today. We're going to focus only on two things today, but uh, before I do, you know, a friend of mine just invited me to... Uh, to have, do you Are you familiar with Million Dollar Listing? A friend of mine just invited me to that, and they. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to talk to you all about it during the after show. Get your thoughts on it. Should I should I fly to California and do this thing? I have no idea. I have no idea what this even is. So I will look at that, and uh, we'll talk to you about it during the after show. That's 30 past the next hour across YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, all those platforms. Um, and maybe you can tell me what million-dollar listing is because I don't know what that is. So it would be a good conversation to have. So join us in the after show. We'll talk about that and much more, whatever it is you want to talk about. But there are a lot of very concerning stories. There are two stories in particular that touches uh, very close to home. I want to start here. I want to start with the story here in Brownsville. Now, this is uh, very uh, sad. Let me read through the story, and then um, we'll get some comments on it. Uh, Law enforcement officials in Brownsville, Texas, which is right across the border from Matamoros, Mexico, are investigating a tragic incident near the U.S.-Mexico border where a vehicle struck over 18 people, resulting in multiple fatalities and severe injuries. Video footage shows a gray Range Rover driving at high speed and colliding with individuals sitting on the sidewalk. The aftermath reveals a scene of devastation, which I uh, will skip over this part. No need to uh, describe uh, the, the site. Law enforcement authorities have arrested the suspect who is car- currently under medical treatment and guard. Charges of reckless driving have been filed, and additional charges are expected as the investigation progresses. The motive behind the incident is still under investigation. Also, I saw that they were investigating. They are testing him for, the, for a drug and alcohol to see if it was that related. They don't have a motive yet. Uh, police displayed a poster board that listed the man's criminal history. And the I don't like to mention, just in case this person is, because we don't know the motive yet, I don't like to mention the names of mass killers, because there are uh, reasonable studies that have shown that, there, that uh, naming names of mass shooters and mass killers uh, encourages like behavior in the media and because people want to be famous. Now, obviously, if this person did it because he was a drunk driver, then there's no big deal in mentioning the person's name. But just in case that this was motivated for other reasons, because it's still under investigation, I won't mention the man's name. However, I will mention that the man is is Hispanic and likely uh, Mexican. Uh, Police displayed a poster board listing the man's criminal history, which included aggravated assault with a deadly weapon twice, assault against elderly or disabled assault causing bodily injury to a family member four times, assault of public servants, burglary of a vehicle twice, assault causing bodily injury, criminal mischief twice, driving while intoxicated, evading arrest detention, interference with public duties, obstruction or retaliation, possession of marijuana, resisting arrest, search or transport three times, and theft of property. The tragedy comes amidst the ongoing illegal immigration crisis at the border, We've just seen a surge in recent months. So that's the story. A number of things that are important to note. This person has a rap sheet that is incredibly long. Uh, Several of these things should have him put in prison. Assault causing bodily injury to a family member four times. Why is this person on the street? Why is this person not in prison? And if this person is illegal, why is this person not shipped back to the country where he originated from? They should be deported, right? Why is it that we are allowing these kind of things to happen? This is very tragic, especially in the situation that there were 18 people struck. A number of these people died. We, I think the last time I looked, there was seven people who had died. This is a grave tragedy. And this person, even if this has nothing to do with illegal immigration, this is a story about law enforcement. Why are people not putting criminals in jail? Whenever we do not enforce the smaller crimes, you allow bigger crimes. This is the exact situation we see with children, right? When a parent does not punish the child for little things, then we we expect the child to do larger uh, issues. Like, for instance, I knew that for just about any little thing that I did growing up, I'd get in trouble. I'd get uh, spanked and beat. For uh, doing any little thing. And so what did that do? That made sure it's like, oh, if there was a big thing. I'm like, oh, I have no way I'm going to do that. I would literally die. My parents would literally kill me. And I would not do it. The same thing applies for criminals. You have to treat criminals like children. These criminals will commit smaller crimes. And if you allow them to get away with it, they're like, oh, <laughs> well, I can get away with just about anything. And they keep committing crimes. Worse and worse crimes. This is a very, very concerning story, and it's my heart goes out to everybody who, who lost family friends in this situation. Especially since at Brownsville, I, my my godson um, Matt, he actually lives in Brownsville. I say people are like, oh, you have a godson? He must be like four years old. No, he's actually older than me. He came to the church uh, uh, two years ago, but he lives in uh, in Brownsville. And he, uh, him, and his uh, girlfriend there live in that area, and I'm just thinking to myself, this is absolutely horrific. Like this is this is so such a tragedy, and I I need to reach out to him today and see if they're if they know anyone involved in the situation, because this is a uh, this is horrific. This is absolutely horrific. Completely avoidable. That's the worst part about it. Is it's completely avoidable when natural disasters happen. And a earthquake, a hurricane, things like that happen. It's a tragedy. But you're like, oh, but there's nothing we could have done. But in this situation, all we had to do was enforce the law. And this would never have happened. That's the worst part about this. And this, it comes right on the heels of the shooting that happened in Allen, Texas. In Allen, Texas, that's in uh, just north of Dallas, right? That's 20 minutes yeah. from Dallas. Correct. And this is horrific. So this is a story from Allen. A lone gunman opened fire at the Allen Premium Outlets in Texas, resulting in at least eight people dead and seven injured. The shooter, identified as a 33-year-old Hispanic man, was killed by a police officer who was responding to a separate call at the mall. The officer neutralized the threat and called for an emergency personnel. The victims range in age from 5 mm. to 61. Five years old. And at least one wounded victim later died in the hospital, bringing the total fatalities to nine. Three victims are reported to be in critical condition. The motive for the shooting is not yet confirmed. The police have not verified claims that the shooter had neo-Nazi and white supremacist beliefs. This was absurd when I saw it. They were saying, oh, this guy is a neo-Nazi and a white supremacist. The man is Hispanic, one. And second, the population of Allen, Texas. If you're going to one of the premier... Outlets in Texas, in Allen, Texas. You're if you're going to go to Allen, Texas is majority white, and then the second most population is I think Hispanic. The third I think is Asian, and the black population in in uh, Allen is not very large. I believe I pulled it up here is eight percent. So you're telling me a neo-Nazi white supremacist decided to go to a outlet mall where the majority of people there are likely to be white or hispanic and you yourself are hispanic and you're going to shoot up the place
4: that's how low the media thinks of us that that's the default position they they really do not think of conservatives as a human as as people they we considered as the other how sad
3: well this person was definitely not a conservative by any stretch of the imagination It says here, authorities conducted raids on his parents' house, and extended-stay motel where he had been living. He was a former U.S. Army member who was removed due to mental health concerns in 2008 and had a social media account on the Russian platform Odin Klasnitsky, where he displayed Nazi tattoos and shared photos related to neo-Nazism. This has not been confirmed, by the way, and there is great dispute about this, and I personally think it's probably not true. He also praised the transgender terrorist who carried out an attack in Nashville in March. Hmm. 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 A conservative. Hmm. White supremacists, transgender terrorists, surprising transgender terrorists. Very interesting to me. The FBI is investigating the case, and Governor Greg Abbott has urged people not to jump to conclusions about the shooter based on conflicting information. That's what I would say as well. I would say we don't really know what's happening. We're going to get a lot of conflicting information, and let's hold off on jumping to conclusions about this. Here is uh, more information. His social media account revealed an interest in pornography, strip clubs, death metal bands, and guns. He expressed misogynistic views and expressed frustration when women did not pay attention to him. His writings indicated that he was aware of his mental health issues and contemplated moving back to Mexico. So he was—he's from Mexico. Very interesting. Very interesting. Is he a legal immigrant? He must be if he was enlisting in the army, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, very interesting but what 's the what 's the through line here? mass shooter, pornography, strip clubs, death metal bands Very interesting to me, very, very interesting. The police officer who neutralized the shooter made a brief phone call requesting assistance before engaging the suspect alone. He ran toward the gunfire, confronted the shooter, and ultimately brought him down. The officer reported the situation to the dispatcher, calling for all available backup. After successfully neutralizing the threat, the officer informed the dispatchers. Subsequent call calls reported the presence of victims in need of medical assistance. The investigation into the shooting is ongoing, and authorities urge anyone with information or video footage to contact the FBI. The investigation is ongoing, and the law enforcement agencies are working to uncover more details about the shooter's background and motives. Okay. This is the story. I don't want to comment about this man because of really, we don't know anything about this. There's so much conflicting information. I don't trust any of it. And I figure we'll have more information that it's going to reveal what really happened in the coming days. Everything about this smells fishy to me in terms of what's being reported. What we know for sure is they shot up the place and people died. And this police officer is a hero. All these people who are defund the police are anti-police Yes, there are bad police officers out there. Yes, I hate it when I get a ticket as well. Yes, it's annoying to see the police on the side of the road trying to uh, with their radar guns when you're driving down the freeway. I get that. That's not a reason to hate the police. That's not a reason to, to want to defund the police. This officer is a hero who ran in alone to take out a shooter, and he saved many lives. How many lives would have died if this officer was not there? How many lives? It's a great grace that he was there. It's a tragedy so many people died. It's a tragedy so many people were victims of this evil, wicked man. But let us not try to jump to conclusions. Let us be sober about the situation. And let's pray for all those involved. In fact, uh, let's say a, a prayer for, for the victims, both in Brownsville and in Allen, Texas, right now, together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that's going to do it for this segment. We'll update you as we learn more information about what's going on in this situation. Uh, Coming up, we're going to be talking about the Justice Clarence Thomas and some of the accusations against him. Is there any reason to believe I'm going to say probably not. So all that is
1: coming up right now on Catholic Drive. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Why is your Protestant Bible four ounces lighter than my Catholic Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a faulty scale? Nope. Well, maybe it's just the weight of the paper or the cover or the binding or some introductory comments. We wish it were just that simple. No, it's the seven books that got dismissed by Team Martin Luther. Secondly, audacity. Audacity allowed Luther and others to extract time tested truths of Scripture and key letters from the canon. What? Yes, about 1,200 years after the Bible canon was fully established, they rejected seven Old Testament books. Not only that, Luther placed the New Testament books of James and Jude, Hebrews, and Revelation in a category called, quote, the disputed books. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. If I were to write a deeply personal letter to my wife regarding our future descendants, don't be taking seven of my choice paragraphs out of that letter. Why? You might be robbing the future descendants of a little bit of who Papa was. Now, don't you do that.
5: I don't know why I turned on my radio, because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with a Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality.
6: The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
4: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, the year of our Lord 2023, and these are your headlines for this morning. CatholicCulture.org and The Wall Street Journal are reporting that the Indiana legislature has expanded eligibility for its private school voucher program for families making up to $220,000 per year. The Indiana Catholic Conference welcomed the legislation and stated almost all Hoosier families will have access to school choice after a dramatic conclusion to the 2023 session. In this budget, it includes expanding school choice eligibility to 97% of Indiana families. The Catholic News Agency is reporting bishops respond The Texas tragedies have left 16 dead, including a group of migrants. Eight migrants were killed and 10 injured when a speeding SUV Sunday morning plowed into a group of people in the border city of Brownsville. According to the AP, the victims were Venezuelan immigrants, most of whom were men. They were waiting for a bus after spending the night at a migrant shelter. The driver, a man has not been yet identified, ran a red light and sped off the road into a crowd of waiting migrants. Lifeside was reporting last week Republican Governor Greg Gianforte of Montana signed five pro-life bills, including provisions to restrict abortion funding and protect born-alive infants, the conscience rights of doctors who object to killing the unborn. And finally, Lifeside is reporting Oklahoma Governor vetoes PBS funding over LGBT propaganda targeting children. Oklahoma Republican Governor Kevin Stitt has vetoed taxpayer funding for the Oklahoma Educational Television Authority, or AOTE, the state network which carries Oklahoma's PBS affiliate, citing the public broadcaster's promotion of LGBT themes to children. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens.
3: Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. You know... Before we jump into our conversation about the Justice uh, Clarence Thomas and the surrounding stories, I just saw this and I just want to share it with you and we'll get just a brief comment about it. Father James Martin SJ just uh, tweeted out, Father Brian Massingale, a black gay priest and theologian at Fordham, New York City, dreams of a church that celebrates and embraces LGBTQ people. An incredible talk given to LGBTQ students from Jesuits colleges, from Jesuit colleges and universities. Hmm. Very great. Thank you, Father Martin, for that. And uh imagine if he would replace LGBTQ with like, I don't know, a different sin. Just like, oh yes, embraces the, the sin of X, Y, or Z, of adultery. Embraces adultery p- committing people. And it's just so so perverse. But anyway. Uh, joining us right now is attorney Brent Haynes. Good morning to you, Brent.
7: Good morning, Adrian. Good morning, everyone.
3: Amen. Amen. Good morning. I hope you're having a uh, blessed uh, week with the whole uh, situation with uh, with all the, the liberals coming after Clarence Thomas again. Uh, it's, it feels like every time anything good is happening in the, in the courts, all of a sudden there's a new uh, accusation against Clarence Thomas. And what did he do this time, uh, Brent Haynes?
7: Well, I wouldn't say he did anything this time. Um, I would say that is what they have done, which is typical. As you said, they're coming after Clarence Thomas again. Um, I'm old enough to remember when Clarence Thomas was nominated for the Supreme Court, and he went through what at the time were just—it uh, seems—it just seems normal now. It's, it's, but it's a real uh, illustration of how our country has declined uh, socially and morally in the last, you know, 30 to 40 years. But uh, people who know their history and older listeners and viewers will remember that when he was nominated for the Supreme Court, um, Anita Anita Hill came out and uh, accused him of, you know, making some sexual references and some peculiar references and sexual innuendo um, when he had served, when she had worked with him, when he was at the EEOC. And uh, Clarence Thomas uh, denied it and it, it all seems rather rather mild and petty now, given the scandals we've, sinned, we've, we've had since then. But at the time, it was shocking. And then, of course, Clarence Thomas came out finally in front of the United States Senate at a hearing and accused and accused them basically of, of acting like a lynch mob. Um, Clarence Thomas is uh, a conservative in his jurisprudence. Um, he does not fit the mold. He does not vote, according to the large statistical, uh, typical uh, way that uh, most people in his racial or ethnic group would vote and he has you know he's just been an I- I- iconoclast for these people and they hate him for that we've we've really entered an era of politics and personal destruction a phrase that was going years ago which has unfortunately come true and um, that's one part of it is that he's just as a black conservative as an accomplished black conservative who and i'm saying as a lawyer who is, is just a first-rate judge uh, and writes first-rate opinions, um, th- they really resent him for that. The second thing they resent is, and I, when I say they, I mean the political left, they just resent the fact that they don't control the Supreme Court. They hate the fact that the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. You know, they hate the fact that the Supreme Court um, issues opinions uh, such as in Heller um and a gun rights case and another gun rights case after that that says that people do have a Second Amendment to carry firearms in some circumstances. Not all but in some. Um, you know, they hate the fact that this one independent branch of the government out of the three branches, the legislative, the executive and the judicial, they hate the fact that they don't control that. That's why this you know, Senators uh the senators went out in front of the Supreme Court before dogs, you know, two or three years ago, and there's that famous, you know, footage of the now majority leader of the Senate out there screaming, you know, at the Supreme Court justices saying, you will reap the whirlwind. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That's why you see the – and it have seen the protesters in clear violation of the law. You don't need to be a lawyer to see that protesting in front of the justices' houses. Uh, before, during, and after the Dobbs decision, um, it's, Ill, it's legal to demonstrate in the United States. It's certainly legal under the First Amendment to demonstrate uh, on political issues. That's the whole point of the First Amendment. It's what the Supreme Court itself calls core protect, protected core speech. It has to do with about has to do with politics. Uh, but it is illegal to try to influence a juror. You know, you may have free speech, Adrian, but you don't have the freedom to go up to a juror in the middle of a trial when they're on a lunch break and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this case. Hmm. Um, well, it's also it's also illegal to, to go and to demonstrate in front of justices' houses. Um, so part of this is that they really do hate Clarence, and they really do hate Clarence Thomas because they hate what he stands for. And the other part is they, they just hate the fact that they don't control this third branch of government, which would give them absolute control because they already have the White House. And, well, they, they don't have the House of Representatives now, fortunately. But um, up until the recent election, if they had had the Supreme Court, they would have had all three branches of government. So that, hi, that's the real motivating
4: factor. This is Tudor, I don't mean to interrupt you like that. Uh, I just want to tell you, I love you, brother. Could, could you, if you're on speaker, could you turn that off? And if and, and could you speak into the the mic? I, oh, that'd be awesome. Sorry, no, that's okay. Th- thank you so much, Brent. Continue, please.
3: Yes, we're at that's up. A-
4: there no, we go. Thanks, so
3: the, a couple of things uh, is interesting to me because the story here with the Supreme Court Justice, they came out accusing Clarence Thomas. And it feels like every day, like we were talking about, they're always accusing him of something because they despise the fact that he does good things and true things. And they came out and said, OK, well, Clarence Thomas is taking money from billionaires, so therefore he should uh, step down from the court. And immediately I'm thinking, okay, is this even true? And if it's true, is it actually illegal what he's doing? And if it is, are the leftist court uh, judges not doing the exact same thing right now? Because if so, maybe the entire court should just step down. So what's the deal here, Brent? Uh, what is he being specifically accused of, and is, it, is there any truth to the claim
7: yeah let's look at the you know at the facts and let's try to reason through it, um, it It's regrettable to get into the comparisons of what other people do and talk about personal attacks. but that really is the the, the situation in in this case in terms of the facts. Um, Supreme Court justices travel. Other people frequently pay for their travel. Other people frequently pay for their trips. Friends travel with each other sometimes. Um, they, the uh justices get book deals. Um, they get paid they get they get uh trips paid so that they can go and speak speak at places. And big surprise, people who travel in certain circles become friends with each other. So the wealthy and the influential and the powerful in Hollywood tend to know each other and they tend to develop friendships with each other. Not everybody, certainly in every situation, but people tend to make friends with people they circulate with. The wealthy and the powerful and the influential in Washington, D.C. and in the country in general engaged in politics and high culture and what we might call the establishment you know they know each other they tend to they tend to get to know each other they tend to form friendships um you know, the same thing in new york city it's the same thing if you go into the art scene that's why you hear about celebrities marrying each other uh, because you make friends with the people that you associate with you make friends with the people mm-hmm. you deal with every day
3: no, and- yeah for sure and Let's pick that up right when we get back because that's what it seems like. It seems like he was just traveling with his friends and they said, oh, that's a in-kind donation. That's uh, not allowed. So we're going to pick that up right when we get back. Plus, Sonia Sotomayor, didn't she
1: just do something similar? We'll be right back with more right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends of tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places, such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged.
3: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. We were talking about Clarence Thomas. There is accusations that he's taking money, and is there any truth to this claim? Joining us right now is attorney Brent Haynes. We were talking before we went to break about the fact that he was kind of uh, he's, he associates as many rich people do. They associate rich and powerful people associate with rich and powerful people, and he has a friend who has, is very wealthy and he travels on vacation with them occasionally. Uh, is this illegal and if uh, so and what 's the situation with that is is that actually an in kind donation? Is it a financial transaction uh, is there something wrong with that and I believe also the same person helped pay for his nephew's school, I believe that is uh, not his, uh, people were reporting it as his adopted son, but I think it was not actually his adopted son. It was someone that he was taking care of out of charity, but he never actually adopted the kid. Uh, so what's the situation there? Uh, T- uh, not Tito, uh, <laughs> Brent Haynes.
7: Well, the person they're talking about is a man named Harlan Crow. He is a very wealthy a real estate developer. Some people engage in the real estate business. might recognize his name. Um, it was Clarence Thomas's great nephew whom he adopted, at least unofficially. So out of the goodness of his heart, he takes him in, raises him. I uh, remember Clarence Thomas himself uh, was raised by his grandfather, you know, under very poor circumstances in South Carolina. Um, and, you know, Clarence Thomas, uh, takes in his great nephew and he, this Harlan Crow is the one who, uh, Clarence Thomas has taken vacations with and Cl- Harlan Crow as a very wealthy man, as you can imagine, he doesn't travel coach. He doesn't fly coach. He doesn't stay at the Motel 6. This is a man who <laughs> owns his own yacht. So when Clarence Thomas goes on vacation with him, big surprise, they travel on the yacht. So one of the accusations is that Clarence Thomas went on a trip to Indonesia on a yacht, and with Harold uh, Claren- Harnon Crow and some other guests, And they, as they put it in in their criticisms, they went island hopping for nine days. Well, if you're Harlan Crow, that's what you do. So, is Clarence Thomas supposed to say, "No, I can't do that. I can't go on this trip with you, even though we're friends, because um, because you're rich," and then that would be an in-kind donation. You know, does Harlan Crow have cases at the Supreme Court and? And Justice Clarence Thomas is, being, is somehow being bribed that way. No, they have a longstanding friendship, and he goes on that vacation, and it's a luxurious vacation. Certainly, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to be on an expensive yacht with a cook and a staff. I was expecting to you to invite me
3: on one, actually, Brent, but okay.
7: When I, if I get to that point, Adrian, I'll invite you, and I'll tell you what, we'll do the radio show from there. There,
3: we go. But, there we you go. There you go.
7: When you watch the reports on this, they talk about how this yacht had a cook and it had it and they had their own staff. Guess what? That's what yachts have. That's what makes it a yacht.
3: <laughs> you know, well, Crow. it's interesting because there is the, the good there's a good point there. Right. At the end of the day, are there any cases involving Crow and and uh, the and Clarence Thomas? Does that exist? Is there any kind of conflict of interest present?
7: Well, there, ultimately there are claims that, that there was at least one case that went up there that had to do with real estate that, that, uh, could have affected Harlan Crow. But guess what? Justice Sonia Sotomayor has a multimillion dollar book deal with a book publisher who had cases before the Supreme Court. She didn't recuse herself from that case. Now, the one difference there is she disclosed that. One of the allegations here is that Clarence Thomas did not disclose his, uh, did not disclose these trips or financial dealings. And perhaps he should have as a matter, you know, it's a matter of ethics and transparency. Of course, what has happened in the past is when he discloses these things, uh, they come after him and they, and they criticize him furiously. Also, he says that he consulted with other justices on the Supreme court at the time. And they told him, no, you don't have to disclose personal trips, but, um, justice you know, justice Thomas isn't the only one who hears cases. Um, They're also criticizing, to a certain extent, the chief justice, John Roberts, because his wife has reportedly made over $10 million in recent years as a headhunter for top law firms. Guess who argues at the Supreme Court, top lawyers from top law firms, and yet the, the wife of the chief justice of the Supreme Court makes money. At a certain point, Adrian, we have to rely upon the integrity of the people in our government because... People who wield power and people in positions of power and influence at a certain level are going to know each other, and their paths are going to cross, not just in their business lives, not just in their professional lives, but also in their personal lives. And sometimes there are going to be personal relationships there. So it's asking context, a lot to say
3: that we should uh, have to trust in the integrity of people in the, in the government. That's, that's a big ask, Brent. <laughs>
7: Well, what alternative do we have? I mean, uh, that's true. this is a democratic republic. There are those who would prefer a monarchy. This is the 21st century. We don't have a monarchy. And even in a monarchy then, you still have to trust them to do what's right. You simply don't have any recourse if they do anything wrong. But to put this in context, um, Justice Sotomayor, she did a, has a multimillion-dollar book deal. Uh, she has cases from that, from that publisher coming before the court. She doesn't recuse herself. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the hero of the political left and especially feminists and the so-called reproductive rights advocates, she was a hero to them. She took more – she took over 100 trips that were paid for. She took more international trips than Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas took something like five or nine trips. Uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg took many more than that. Stephen Breyer who just recently retired and allowed uh, our new justice who doesn't know what a woman is to take the Supreme court, he uh, to go on the Supreme court, Stephen Breyer. Had over a hundred trips over, had over a hundred trips that were paid for. So you don't see the critics talking about that. So that's the evidence that they aren't really interested in Clarence Thomas or ethics. They're really interested in politics. What else do you not hear about when it comes to money and influence? You don't hear these same people talking about all of the money that is just documented, but nobody in the media wants to cover it. Nobody talks about the money that the Biden family has received from Chinese companies. Nobody in the media wants to talk about money that the president's son received from a Ukrainian company. Nobody in the media wants to talk about money that uh, the Biden family received from the wife of the mayor of Moscow, Russia.
3: Well, nobody wants to. Talk it is. About, a. It's a real issue that. to see everybody involved in uh, in the government just just funneling money around in more or less corrupt ways. But the thing that's interesting to me is that these accusations always come up at certain times. So I'm thinking, okay, what case is being brought up right now that is significant according that would that they would have this kind of dust up all of a sudden? Do you know of anything in the Supreme Court that's happening that might be of interest?
7: No, this isn't motivated by a particular case. This is motivated by the long-running campaign uh, for several years now in the words of the, of the political left of the reformers, to reform the Supreme Court or to, or to bring the Supreme Court into the 21st century. Uh, the critics of the Supreme Court you know, claim it's out of touch with the country. It's just a small group. It's too small a group of people because there are only nine, and it only takes five people, and they wield all this power over 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 the entire nation. This is just part of the campaign against the Supreme Court because they want to pack the court. There are proposals out there uh, by senators and uh, other leading politicians and political activists to raise the number of justices on the Supreme Court to 13. Well, guess who would appoint those people? You know, guess guess who would get to approve those people in the, in the current state of our government? So there's not there's not one particular case out there. It has to do with the criticism of the Supreme Court because they don't control it. Uh, and let's be clear. Let's, let's be clear. Clarence – there's no allegation that Clarence Thomas has taken a bribe in the sense that somebody has paid him money directly. The worst thing that is – there are three categories of criticism. One is that he took these vacations with a friend who is wealthy. Another is – and this is where uh, some money was expended, and this is where they get closest to this. Another is that um, he took in his great-nephew, and the tuition was paid for the nephew. Um, The third is that uh, there was a real estate deal where Clarence Thomas – sold a house and some uh, vacant property and his mother continues to live in the house for the rest of her life. That, that, that's actually not unusual. That's called well, a, uh, real quickly
3: today. though. We're running out of time. Here is a case that I was thinking of whenever I saw this, I was thinking, Hmm, it's interesting that this comes up because this is uh, on the heels of the Supreme court uh, might be revisiting the Chevron doctrine, which came up in 1984 giving uh the the government agencies far more authority than we would like which has been opposed by the constitutionalist for since since it actually happened and i was thinking okay this is coming up again and it's interesting that immediately when these is being announced as something that's coming up all of a sudden there are new uh, attacks against Clarence Thomas all over again. Uh, what do you know about the Chevron uh, doctrine in the Supreme Court case in 1984, if anything?
7: Well, that is a critical case. Uh, we live in what is, by some uh, scholars and activists, called an administrative state. Uh, there is an excellent uh uh, legal scholar out there named Professor, uh, Philip Hamburger, who has written, who's written a book on the separation of powers and has also written a book on the administrative state. And what it refers to is, uh, the vast federal bureaucracy that governs, that governs our country. It's the, it's not Congress that, you know, Congress passes the laws. Congress doesn't, Congress doesn't implement the laws. Uh, the executive branch is supposed to enforce the laws. So how does the executive branch enforce the laws? Well, it does, does so through bureaucrats. And so what happens is Congress passes a law and they tell an agency, for example, the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, put regulations into effect, uh, create regulations that put this law into effect. And Congress can pass some pretty ambiguous, pretty broad laws. And that gives these uh, agencies a lot of leeway to create regulations that arguably don't put the law into effect or arguably go much further than Congress intended with the law. And the Chevron case has to do with Congress's ability to delegate authority to the administrative agencies and the administrative agencies' authority to essentially enact law or enforce laws. So it's a critical case. It follows the West Virginia versus EPA case that came down recently where the United States Supreme Court finally said to the said to the EPA EPA no you have
5: exceeded
7: your rulemaking authority and you hear about this for example especially in water rights cases water rights cases where you know a landowner or a rancher or somebody out west will want to do something with their land and the EPA will come in and say you can't do that because you know, there's water on your property. And well, like the
3: I think it's a very interesting thing that maybe we should uh, do a whole show on about the Chevron Doctrine because it came up with the COVID-19 vaccine mandates saying they're applying that doctrine to say, oh look, we can force anybody in workplace to do this. It's uh, for government help so we can do it. So these are very concerning stories and this case is being brought up to the Supreme Court, so something worth having another conversation about, but That's gonna do it for the first hour. Thank you, Brent Hayes. If you can join us, we're gonna be talking about men's groups coming up next.
5: Ever feel like life's just too busy and too much? There's constant noise, social life, traffic, work, paying bills, it just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. See, God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, find your hope today begin at CatholicsComeHome.com
1: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is. And we are known as his children. We are. And the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters. They are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right. Their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. A beacon of
6: truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
0: KSHJ, Houston.
3: Hi, my name is Anais Katz, and I attend to Immaculate Concession Church. And you're listening to KSHJ, 1430 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio
4: for your soul.
3: My name has way too many syllables. like Adrian Fonseca. Oh, my goodness. I always, uh, I think I mentioned this in the past. Sometimes I mispronounce my own name out of pure (laughs) laziness because I don't want to pronounce my whole name. I would just say Adrian Fonseca because I don't want to say Adrienne. It's just too many syllables, man. What was my mom thinking? I'm just kidding. I love my name. It's uh, very regal, very royal, I would say. Very similar to, you know, Emperor Hadrian and Pope Adrian's one through four. So... (laughs) Good good name. Good name. And good company.
4: Eric Rodriguez is online is saying, uh, and now your host, Adrian, Th- the Fonz Seca.
3: There you go. There you go. <laughs> See, that's uh I think that's that my, my dad's nickname uh is Fonzie. And then some of his uh buddies, uh whenever I played football and uh whenever my dad was my coach, they call me little Fon's. And being uh, the in the, the it was actually a, it's a reference to um, our last name Fonseca Fonzi, so that's where it comes from. At least that's what I assume that it comes from. But uh, anyway, that was just a random aside. But that was a, a good conversation uh, with uh, Brent Haynes. I thought it was very interesting. the The Chevron doctrine so concerning the way we just give a random bureaucrat so much power. Too much power. Unelected. It's like. Oh, America, we hate monarchy. We don't want our these government officials that are there for life. Uh, we want to elect our representatives and be tax, no taxation without representation. And meanwhile, we have these government agencies where people have lifelong positions and run everything behind the scenes, and we don't even know what's happening.
4: Drives me nuts. Yeah, the under the Obama administration and now under uh, Biden, I don't have the exact numbers, so I'm just ballparking this from what I can recall, barely, that on average, I think there are nine new regulations came down a day. And I'm not saying every business day, every day.
5: Hmm. So, uh,
4: hmm. it, it's just mind-boggling how many regulations there are. And, and it's, isn't it ironic that any time uh, a, de- a Democrat, most of the time, comes into office the economy, if it's hot, it starts slowing down. If the economy is recession, it takes so much longer to recuperate. They, they take a drag on the economy with so many regulations because each, each corporation has to add a, a, a new, uh, a new uh, compliance manager to, to, to follow all the data, all the regulations, just so they can stay in compliance. Well, there
3: you go. There you go. Anyway, that was just kind of a a side. I was like, it just gets on my nerves. It gets on my nerves. But anyway, I always wanted to talk about this story. And Tito, you're involved. Are you involved in any men's groups? Yes, I am. Uh, Which ones are you involved in?
4: Uh, The one that I like is uh, our poetry men's group called uh, the G.K. Chesterton Society. We meet uh, once a month. uh, We recite poetry uh also uh, an aside here it's an an excuse for us to to smoke our pipes there you go so uh so
3: this will be a good article for you then yes Uh, yes crisis magazine put out this article why your catholic men's group will eventually fold many of the men who are in the most need of catholic male fellowship are in the worst position to make it happen mid-career young and growing family Demands on time balance everything. Anything that isn't work or family gets pushed to the back burner. When my wife and I first got married, we didn't have many friends who were practicing Catholics. I had to fish for a college friend to be the godfather of our firstborn. And I attended a Protestant Bible study for six years because I couldn't find a Catholic one. We felt alone as we slowly turned the boat toward the shores of Catholic Orthodoxy. As I prayed, so I prayed. I prayed the prayer of St. Francis, Lord, send me some brothers. And eventually, one by one, he did. A priest in our area was organizing a winter hike in single-digit temperatures, and I got plugged in with some good, solid Catholic guys. I was very grateful for these guys. It seems like the community, the band of brothers I had been looking for. I want to be clear about something here. None of what I'm about to write is reflective of these guys in particular. From other male friend, other Catholic friends I've talked to in other areas of the country, I've heard that they seem to deal with the same issues and challenges that I do here in my area. So I think the issue is one of the idea of a Catholic men's group in general, not a particular group specifically. Anyone who has done a a group project knows that some people are naturally take charge, while others remain more passive and allows other people to lead. Men's groups are no exception. In one sense, a group really needs that one guy or two or three who can play the project manager role and bring guys together, put the work in to build some structure and accountability, keep men engaged. The downside of this is twofold. Firstly, the functioning of the group can become dependent on that one man without a sustainable system in place if and when he leaves, moves, or steps down. Secondly, the guy stepping into the role, usually because no one else wants to, can become resentful of the time and work he is putting in to make things happen and become burned out in the process. To overcome these obstacles, you could do the president, vice president, secretary, treasury thing, but then it becomes more or less Much less organic and more like a second job, something you have to do. Or you could just keep it unstructured and decentralized with no one really leading the group. But men being men, it becomes easy to just not do or suggest anything at all. Everyone becomes passive or the very best. They rely on an organic approach in which things happen as they happen. In my experience, guys do not just get together to talk in the same way women do. Men use one-third the number of words women do in a day. That's not true of me. And their time spent together, for better or worse, needs to be structured around some time of activity for it to, to work. This, too, is another kind of no-win trap. If there is a lack of activity or something to do or accomplish, men will naturally spend time together for long. Will not naturally spend time for together for long. But the logistics of planning things to do often necessitates a point guy to take charge and make it happen for the group. If there is no common vision, something to work towards or be challenged by, or some string that holds the group together, it becomes guys hanging out. That kind of group is easy to walk away from because it doesn't require anything. No work, no accountability, no undertaking of any kind. Just show up and do whatever. And when you start actually requiring things of men, you run into the third problem. Many of the men who are in the most need of Catholic male fellowship are in the worst position to make it happen. Mid-career, young, growing family demands on time to balance everything and anything that isn't work or family gets pushed to the back burner, which is largely understandable. And also a reason why many men's groups peter out or become inactive. It isn't a top priority. Another issue I've seen that goes back to the problem of needing to do or accomplish something men as men is that when the task is complete, there's no real reason to start and stay connected with another one. I've done Exodus 90 twice, and while it is a good challenge for men, I hardly have any contact anymore with the men I've gone through the program with. Sure, it appeals to male sensibilities for a challenge to be pushed to, be, to structure fellowship around a thing to focus on, which is why it is a relatively successful Catholic program. But what then on day 91 and beyond? This is a challenge for any kind of program-based regimen to build male fellowship. When the program ends, so does the fellowship largely. Parish-based men's programs suffer from the usual problem. Since you are drawing from a limited scope of men, based on parochial parameters, it skews order and tends to feel forced, inorganic, and unsustainable. Organizations like the Knights of Columbus do good work. They are good men. But as a friend described them, they are largely a civic group and manpower for the parish. They skew older as well. The uniforms are goofy, in my opinion. (laughs) And that insurance thing is annoying. I kind of like the old uniforms more than the new ones, to be honest. And uh, Not my thing, but that doesn't mean a lot of men don't gain benefit from it, just not many from my demographic. Maybe in another 10 years or so, I'll get my second degree, maybe. I'm on my third degree. They just gave it to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> virtual groups have their own issues. I had to do a Zoom event for work, and then they could going on about Zoom meetings and virtual life. One of the things I was looking for most in men's groups was at least easily found, and that was accountability. And I'm like, yep, that's, that's a good point, too. So he goes on from here, talks about very similar things. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Tito?
4: Yeah, that 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 seems about right. I, it's mostly the one person that uh, once that one person uh, leaves, the group falls apart, regardless of what structure you've you may have put in, unless you find somebody who's just enthusiastic or at least has follow through ability to be able to sustain that group. Uh, so I, I don't know. What can be said, uh, there there are many opportunities, but why why hold back? Just go ahead and join a men's group, and if it peters out, you move on to the next. Or if, if it's really something that you're looking for, like it is for me, I actually run the men's group, and, and it's a continuation from a group that started 12 years ago where we just met to hang out because we wanted to smoke our pipes. <laughs> this incarnation is because... Uh, we needed an excuse to be on the bulletin, so we uh, said we're going to recite poetry, and we've learned a lot of poetry, most of G.K. Chesterton stuff. But yes, uh, the, the guys like to do is hang out. Some of them are passive, just sit there and listen. To others jump in whenever a topic uh, on the poet, poem that we're reciting uh, interests them. And so it's it's give and take. There's a nice core group right now, so that's a lot of fun. But yeah, that that's pretty much more or less. I don't. I don't know if it's a great if it's a problem or not. If there's that one person and you come in early to in the formation of that group, then I think you, you're there for a good two or three years at least to have uh, some fellowship with your with your with the man next to you to build bonds, to to learn and grow in virtue uh, together, uh, to elevate your mind in whatever topics that you are discussing. And most of the time, in these Orthodox men's groups, they w- we we do talk uh, uh, high topics, you know, uh, liturgy or poetry, philosophy. A lot of the times, and many of us, almost all of us, don't know anything about philosophy, and it's fascinating to get involved. I, I know the uh, a local Catholic rugby group; they get together after uh, practice uh, once a week, or they at least they used to, and they talk about philosophy. Just it's 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 formed into a group in in of a, in and of itself so yeah it's important to have fellowship among men it's It's important that we need we can lean on each other and help each other out uh and on things that are men related so yeah, so I,
3: I think that this is something that i we brought up at the beginning of the show, and I think this is important to talk about about friendship and I was talking about this recently with a friend of mine, and I think this is such a a problem in our day because. Having real friendship is very important, but it requires a very intense intentionality. The other problem is that we don't, we don't, there's no perception of what it means to have friendships today. Aristotle would talk about friendships, and he said, in your life, you may only have a couple real friends. And how many of us can say that we have real friends, friends that you would live your life with, that you bear your soul with? people who are are true friends, not just friends of convenience, not just friends that you enjoy hanging out with, but people who you live with. And I don't mean live with in the sense of uh, y'all share a roof, but instead I mean someone that you expose your soul to, someone that you reveal yourself to. And I think that's very rare. And I think part of the problem is this uh, homosexual issue, is that any kind of male friendship that becomes close is immediately deemed gay, and that 's not good that 's bad because there is real friendship that needs to happen. Uh, men need to have close men friends, and women need to have close women friends. This is a necessity in life now, obviously if you 're married, then you have your spouse as that very intense friendship, but there's also has to have a someone of the same sex as well it 's very necessary, and it 's kind of something that we're that i'm going through with some friends of mine where we're trying to be intentional about getting together and doing things together and hanging out together and trying to have a a real bond. And that means uh, going out and doing tasks and not simply hanging out and talking, which I love to do. I think that's probably the if I had to choose about, well, what are we going to do to hang out? Me and my friends, I would say, oh, well, why don't we just get together? We'll grab a drink and maybe some food and we'll just chat. And we'll just chat for a couple hours, and that's pretty much what I like to do. However, I like the article said in the Crisis magazine article, men require a task. Men like to be able to accomplish something to the, together, and that's usually how they bond. But there has to be a way to to keep that friendship beyond the task itself. And I don't. Know, I think that's worthy of having a longer conversation about a later date. Yep. But that's gonna do it for now. When we come back, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show. So call now, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We take the first caller. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass?
5: Christmas. Scripture.
0: That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most?
5: Jesus.
0: That's right. Mary. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> they love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com.
1: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. I would imagine your pastor preaches from the text which says, We preach Jesus Christ crucified. So then, where's the crucifix in your church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Under the dread of persecution and death, the crucifix was displayed at Mass, but with great caution due to the threats of the Roman emperors and the pagan haters of Christianity. Traveling up your time, Pope Pius V in 1570 made it mandatory to display a crucifix in every church. Secondly, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1. One says, but we preach Christ crucified, as stumbling block. You see, there was never any embarrassment of his corpse. In fact, two men of great renown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, boldly handled the dead body of Jesus. And thirdly, my comeback. You see, at times, the early church held mass in the catacombs to honor the shed blood of the brave martyrs. Sad to say, many contemporary churches don't even have a cross in their church, let alone a crucifix. Also, could a crucifix on your neck cause others to think you are Catholic? St. Peter, it must have been horrible when you heard that rooster crow.
0: Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified?
8: Send Paul.
0: As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
3: 877 757 9424. 877 757 9424. And this is Fear and Trembling. You're listening to the Fear and Trembling Game Show where we give out prizes and you could win. It's very, very easy. All you have to do is call in 877 757 9424. If you call that number, then. The first person to call that number is our contestant on our Fear and Trembling Game Show. It's a lot of fun, and we uh, give out prizes, and you always learn something. Just uh, Even if you just learn a little, you're going to learn something. It's going to be a great time. So make sure you dial in 877-757-9424. Now, you may be asking, how is the game played? I've never heard of this Fear and Trembling Game Show thing. What's going on? Well, it's very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions here, and I'm not going to ask you the question. No, instead, I'm going to ask Tito the question. It's going to be his job to be able to give me an answer. Now you're asking me, okay, then what's my job? Well, your job is to tell me whether or not Tito is right or whether or not he is wrong. You'll have 15 seconds on the clock. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. This week's prize is a book from Father Sebastian Walsh. The name of the book is Heart of the Gospel. In Heart of the Gospel, Father Walsh demonstrates compellingly how the eight declarations from Sermon on the Mount make up the foundation, essence, and final goal of our Lord's teachings. They are as central to the gospel as the Ten Commandments were to the old law. A Roadmap for Navigating the New Covenant, as published by Catholic Answers Press. So thank you very much to Catholic Answers Press for generously donating that prize. Uh, joining us right now is Mary. Good morning to you, Mary. It's Mary Rita. Mary Rita. Actually. Mary Rita. Yes. Good morning to yes. you, Mary Rita. Uh, where are you calling from? Good morning.
2: Well, ordinarily I'm calling from Alito, Texas, but... Today I'm in Starkville, Mississippi,
3: for my daughter's
2: graduation from vet school. Nice. Veterinary
3: medicine. And very, very nice. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna mark you down as a Mississippi caller just so that way we can say okay. that we've had a Mississippi caller because I don't think we've, I think you might be okay. the first Mississippi caller, I think even so though too. technically yeah. not from Mississippi, but we will take it, we will take it. Uh we we would love to uh try to mark those numbers up. Write that down, Tito. A Mississippi caller. All right. Well, Mary Rita, have you you've called in before, right? I think I recognize your voice. Yes.
2: Yes, I have.
3: Very good. Very good. It's been a while since you've called in though, am I right? Yes, I
7: have.
3: Very good. Very good. And Mary Rita, well, you said you're out for your uh, your daughter's uh college graduation, is that right?
2: Um doctorate she's getting her doctor of
3: veterinary medicine Oh wow that's super impressive. cool very yes. very yeah very impressive I heard uh, that is a very high demand job uh, so very good praise be to god is, there, is she coming back to uh, to Texas to uh, to practice I know uh, yes. very um, good
2: She's going to Marry a gentleman who's living in Katy, Texas.
3: Nice, praise be to God. We love to hear it. Uh, We love to get uh, to get good Catholic marriages, very good, and in Katy, Texas. Well, uh,
2: he he had an adoration asking whom he should date, and later whom he if she he should marry this person.
3: Wow, praise be to God. Uh, Did you hear that, everybody? You have to uh, take notes. In fact, I'm taking notes right now. Go to Adoration. And I'll go. Okay, cool. Thank you very much, Mary Rita. That's a wonderful uh, thing to hear. And I, we love to hear that. We love to hear that. Well, Marita, you are familiar with the game show, but you have not been familiar with Tito before. Are you ready to play the game? Or are you, do you know if Tito's going to be tricky or oh, not? Um,
5: I've
2: heard that he's tricky.
3: No, well. But
2: I think I've got it. When I she when I it. when I play just listening, I usually get all three. There we go. Oh. There we go.
3: All right, Marita, Ding Let's dong. jump into the game then. Uh, Tito, are you ready? Yes, I am. Let's jump into it. What do we call the people Robert? who destroyed paintings and statues in Catholic churches in the fifteenth and sixteenth centuries?
4: What do we call them? That Destroyed paintings and statues um, because they have the it, it's the image of uh, of our Lord uh, that there would be icons and destroying them uh, iconoclasts. You're gonna
3: go with iconoclast.
4: Yeah, iconoclast. I I don't know what class stands for. I'm assuming it means destroying, but uh, I know icon and so I remember the word iconoclast and that seems somebody breaking stereotypes in our modern lingo, but. Back then, at, uh, and, and today in the church, it means iconoclasts, uh, people destroying paintings and statues. That's what I'm going with. All right. All right. Well,
3: I was going to go with uh, just mean people, but okay. Um, <laughs> all right, Mary Rita, the question on the board, Why? what do we call the people who destroyed the paintings and statues in Catholic churches in the 15th and 16th centuries? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think that they're called iconoclast. I was gonna say they're called big fat meanies, uh, but what say you, Marita? Is he right? Is he wrong? Or is he trying to trick you? but I don't have a better
2: answer, so I'll say he's telling
3: the truth. She's gonna go with yes. Way to go, Marita! That's one for one so far. Looks like you are on the way to getting three for three. Very good. And, yes, the the word icon refers to an image, and the suffix clastic refers to the breaking up into fragments, Ah. uh, broken pieces. comes from Greek, clastos, broken pieces. So there you go. There you go. So very good, Marita. You knew that, I'm sure. I didn't need to tell you. Are you ready for question number two?
2: Absolutely.
3: Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Question number two, Tito.
4: Yeah, let's bring it on. How is the soul like God? Ah, that's a, a stumper. How is the soul like God? Uh, uh, ref, he, uh, he's a reflection of him. He, he created it. I I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm going with he created it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a toughie. All right.
3: Well, that sounds like uh, heresy to me, but you're going to go with it. All right, Mary Rita, 15 seconds on the clock. How is the soul like God? Tito seems to think it's like God in the sense that he created it. What say you, Mary Rita? I say it's
2: because it reflects his image, but it's hard to say if he's right or wrong.
3: Well, um, it's a 50-50 chance. I, trying, I guess he's
2: trying to trick us, because it's really not because he created it, but because
3: of his image. So she's going to go with no. She's going to go with your tricking her.
4: No. Aww.
3: Way to go, Marita. Could not trick you. It wow. would not happen. He tried his best, but you prevailed nonetheless. The correct answer is because your soul is a spirit having understanding, free will, and And will never die. That's the way it is like God. So very good. That is, in fact, the way you would say it is made in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. So very good, Mary Rita. You rock. You got two for two so far. And I'm guessing you're going to get a three for today. What do you think?
2: I sure
3: hope so. I'm thinking you will. (laughs) I'm thinking you will.
4: You're doing well so far. All right,
3: Mary Rita. Are you ready for question number trace? (laughs) Yes. All right. You know what? What trace? What language that is?
4: You know what? Another stumper. My goodness, it's tough day today.
3: Yeah, it's actually (laughs) Tuesday. It's actually um, Takawithian. Takawithian. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. A very, very unknown language. It means three in Takawithian. uh, Trace. All right, let's go into it. The question on the board is: What is the forty hours devotion?
4: Forty hours devotion. That's Eucharistic adoration. They've got – well, not – sometimes you got people coming in and, and squads, you know, come, taking over for the next group and, and just staying there for 40 hours just to complete it. Dang. To, to have – yeah, that that is fun. That, I think they used – they still do that. Well, they used to do that at your gotta, old parish. Do I got to
3: bring a uh, – do I got to bring a sleeping bag?
4: Sometimes. A tent. Yeah. I
3: just camp out in the, inside uh, the church. 40 uh, hours.
4: Yeah, but, but in front of Jesus, uh, a sleeping bag's okay. I, maybe a tent outside the door.
3: I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. I see.
4: All righty, Mary Rita.
3: The question on the board is, what is the 40 hours devotion At 15 seconds on the clock, Tito seems to think it's a devotion related to the Holy Eucharist where a relay of worshipers take turns at Eucharistic adoration, watching and praying. What say you, Mary Rita? Is he right or is he wrong? What say you? I'll say
2: he's right.
3: She says you're right. Way to go, Mary Rita. Excellent. three could not trick you. Uh, we did our best, but nonetheless, you prevailed, despite all the odds. How do you feel, Mary Rita?
2: I feel great.
3: <laughs> Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I love to hear it. Uh, and so not only does she get a 3 but she's also our first-ever Mississippi, Mississippi caller. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, congratulations, Mary Rita, and congratulations to your daughter in uh, graduating from veterinary school. That's pretty awesome. And congratulations to her and her soon-to-be-husband in Katie, Texas. Super cool. Well, praise you to God, Marita. God bless you. God love you. Thank you. We're going to put you on hold. Make sure that you stay on the line so we can get your contact information so we can contact you should your name be pulled out. But remember, we're still in the Easter season, so Christ is risen. Hallelujah. God bless you, Marita. He is
2: risen indeed.
3: Amen. Amen. I'm going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it. For the radio side of our show, if you want to join us for the after show, you're welcome to do so. Hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, and we'll interact with you directly. And I want to talk to you about this show, Million Dollar House or something like that. Million Dollar Listing, I think it's called. I got invited by a friend of mine to appear on the show, which I don't have a million-dollar listing, so I don't know what that's about. So anyway, we're going to talk about that in the after show or whatever it is you want to talk about. But if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Christ is risen. Truly, He is risen. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure
1: to keep you informed and inspired.
0: Guadalupe
3: Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
6: Celebrating Tuesday of the fifth week of Easter, the Mass is being offered for all of our listeners on Guadalupe Radio Media and those joining us online. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah! Ye sons and daughters of the Lord, the King of Glory, King adored, this day Himself from death restored. Hallelujah! 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 All in the early morning gray went holy women on their way to see the tomb where Jesus lay Hallelujah In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do Christ have mercy Lord have mercy Let us pray O God who restore us to eternal life In the resurrection of Christ Grant your people constancy in faith and hope that we may never doubt the promises of which we have learned from you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.
8: Reading from the Acts of the Apostles. In those days, some Jews from Antioch and Iconium arrived and won over the crowds. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he got up and entered the city. On the following day, he left with Barnabas for Derbe. derby. After they had proclaimed the good news to that city they, and made a considerable amount number of disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. They strengthened the spirits of the disciples and exhorted them to persevere in the faith, saying, It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. They appointed presbyters for them in each church and with prayer and fasting commended them to the Lord in whom they had put their faith. Then they traveled through Pisidia and reached Pamphylia. After proclaiming the word at Perga, they went down to Atlea. From there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now accomplished. And when they arrived, they called the church together and reported what God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Then they spent no little time with the disciples. The word of the Lord. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom.
6: Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious wonder of your kingdom.
8: Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. Your friends, your friends make, make known, O Lord, the, the glorious, glorious wonder, wonder of your, of your
6: kingdom. kingdom,
8: making known to men your might and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through all generations. Your friends friends make make known, O Lord, the glorious wonder of of your your kingdom. kingdom. May my mouth speak the praise of the Lord, and may all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever.
6: Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious wonder of your kingdom. Alleluia, Alleluia, Hallelujah! Christ had to suffer and to rise from the dead, and so enter into his glory. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, "'Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. "'Not as the world gives do I give it to you. "'Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. "'You heard me tell you I am going away, "'and I will come back to you. "'If you loved me, you would rejoice "'that I am going to the Father. "'For the Father is greater than I. "'And now I have told you this before it happens so that when it happens you may believe. I will no longer speak much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the Father, and that I do just as the Father has commanded me. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's gospel we hear Jesus offering to his disciples the gift of peace. Peace is a very attractive concept in our lives and it's a nice word to hear but we can ask ourselves what exactly is peace and how do we experience it? Jesus immediately contrasts the peace which he gives as a gift to the peace of the world in order to point out that it is something quite different. I think when we could think of the perspective of the world, peace oftentimes gets thought of generally as merely being an absence of war or an absence of violence in the world in which we're living in or in the immediate surroundings of our vicinity. But who defines more concretely what that peace really is? We live in the world where, for example, the violence of killing an unborn baby is considered to be a human right, and yet it is a horribly violent act, which would precisely be the absence of peace and not something to fight for. Even think of all of the violence which is so prevalent in our society, not just in terms of the horror of these mass shootings, but even things which we have come to accept, such as horrific violence in movies, uh, in sports, such as the cage fighting or things like this, or violent video games, which are kind of the simulated killing of other people. Sometimes think that the violence that we experience and see in movies and video games that people play, that it often gets overlooked and kind of given a free pass, even the violence of some sports. I always think, you know, what pornography is to the sixth commandment as a complete disgrace of what the conjugal act is meant to be, So too all the simulated violence in movies and video games, that is what it is to the fifth commandment of thou shalt not kill. That all these things contribute to a lack of peace in people's lives and to people feeling a great sense of fear and anxiety of not knowing what they're going to encounter, just stepping out of their house and going out into the world. So what is the peace that Jesus offers and how can it be experienced in the midst of a culture which is, we could say, bloodthirsty and quite violent in many, many ways. St. Augustine defines peace as being the tranquility of order. Peace is something really which is going to be found in our interiority in terms of the gift that Jesus gives. And when we consider the order that Christ is calling us to, it really is going to mean proper order in our lives is going to be when we place God at the center of life. We place God at the center of our life. It means prayer takes a priority. It means the Eucharist takes a priority. It means ultimately that we give God the first place of our life. And this is the first part of life which has to be ordered correctly. We came from God. We were made from God. He deserves the first place of where our time goes and what our life looks like. And secondly, of course, we can speak about the love of neighbor or the peace and harmony that we cultivate in relationships with those people in our lives. When those relationships are right and just, well, then we also experience the tranquility of order in our lives and we experience peace. This is really what Jesus offers to us. The peace he gives is to say, if you live my two commandments of the love of God and the love of neighbor and place God at the center of your life, my peace will be within you. Now the peace, of course, that Jesus offers, we have to admit that in this world we experience it in a very real and true fashion, but it's not yet the lasting peace of his kingdom that we will experience in heaven. Because in eschatology there is always the famous phrase of the already but the not yet. We already experience God's peace here but not yet fully like we will in the beatific vision and in the fullness of life. And the reason for that is quite simple. The world in which we live in is built on a lot of disorder. The very heart of sin is to be disordered, and therefore there is always going to be a certain amount of lack of peace because of the disorder that follows in this world. And while by organizing our lives in our interiority and ordering our lives correctly to the love of God and love of neighbor, we can experience interior peace and the tranquility to navigate through the travails of this world. It won't yet be experienced perfectly until the Kingdom of Heaven, until we are in God's presence, because there we will truly experience perfect order with all creation in harmony with God's will in praise and adoration of who God is. My brothers and sisters, when we think of peace as being order and the lack of peace of being a disorder, really reminds us that peace and holiness are kind of synonyms. You know, holiness is really living our life correctly in the eyes of God, living according to who we have been created to be, to love him, to love our neighbor, and holiness ultimately is what helps us to bring peace, and holiness can only be lived with the gift of Jesus' grace with the help of God's assistance, and therefore It is his gift which he gives to us. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, despite the turmoil of the world we live in, despite the faulty notion of peace which it has as its core, let us ask God for the grace that we would truly strive to love him above all things, that we would truly strive to love our neighbor as ourselves, and thereby to experience the peace that Jesus offers us, in that tranquility of order that we experience in the interiority of our lives. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters filled with paschal joy, let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved son, may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. For the shepherds of our souls, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the good shepherd, let us pray to the Lord. For the whole world, that it may truly know the peace given by Christ, let us pray to the Lord. For our brothers and sisters who suffer, that their sorrow may be turned to gladness which no one can take from them, let us pray to the Lord. For our own community for those joining us on radio and online that we may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of christ let us pray to the lord we pray for the grace to always strive to be holy in our lives to order our lives correctly to god and thereby to experience his peace we pray to the lord and for those intentions that we hold in our heart We pray to the Lord. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Lord God, wash me from my me from my sins. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Receive, O Lord, we pray, these offerings of your exalted church, and as you have given her cause for such great gladness, grant also that the gifts we bring may bear fruit in perpetual happiness through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord, but in this time above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. For his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising the life of all has risen. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, Every land, every people exult in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic host sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God of hosts. The mystery of faith We proclaim your death, O Lord And profess your resurrection Until you come again Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection We offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation Giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King Who hath washed us in the tide Flowing from his pierced side Praise we him whose love divine Gives the guests his blood for wine Gives his body for the feast Love the victim, love the priest Where the paschal blood is poured Death's dark angel his sword Israel's host triumphant go through the wave that drowned the foe Christ the Lamb whose blood was shed Paschal victim, Paschal bread With sincerity and love Eat we men from above Let us pray. Look with kindness upon your people, O Lord, and grant, we pray, that those you were pleased to renew by eternal mysteries may attain in their flesh the incorruptible glory of the resurrection through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Regina Celi, Laitare, Alleluia. Quia, quem meruisti portare, Alleluia. Resurrect sit, Alleluia. Ora pro nobis deum, alleluia. Gaudet virgo Maria, alleluia.
3: The Prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil.
5: Thy peace always. In the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen.
6: All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
5: Hi, my name is Katherine, and Valerie, and Sarah.